1: Kia ora, nice to have you listening to Afternoons. Today, there's some interesting research going on in New Zealand into reversing type 2 diabetes. Uh, it affects about 300,000 adults in New Zealand, and those numbers are expected to increase, increase significantly over the next 20 years, something like 70 to 90 percent. Associate Professor and Registered Dietitian Dr. Karen Zinn has been leading a three-year project looking into non-pharmaceutical ways to reverse type 2 diabetes. She says it is possible and she's running a series of health seminars starting today on the topic. Hi there, Karen.
0: Hi, Jessie. How are you?
1: Good, thank you. What is the general consensus on type 2 diabetes in, uh, among the general population? Do people know that it can be reversed? Do they think it can be reversed? Or is it seen as a diagnosis that once you get, you've stuck with for life?
0: Yeah, that's actually a great question to start off with because it's common belief, and, and, and still in the, in the medical system, we are told that type 2 diabetes is a chronic progressive condition. And it's only been in the last sort of five to maybe ten years, but only sort of publicly and a bit more, you know, a bit more knowledge about it. The last five years that actually you can reverse both uh, pre-diabetes um, and type two diabetes with diet and lifestyle. So it's, it. I think the way that we look at diabetes um, and view it as getting a condition uh, needs to be changed for sure.
1: Yeah, and um, we're talking about type 2 diabetes here. What is it and what do we mean when we say it can be reversed or even remitted?
0: Yeah, that, that's, a good, that, that's a good question. So um, type 2 diabetes is, is quite different from type 1 diabetes. Uh, so type 2 diabetes is when you actually do have insulin in the body, whereas type 1 you, you don't. Type 1, you have an overproduction of insulin, and you get something called insulin resistance. So your cells become resistant to the action of insulin, and if it doesn't get managed well, your blood sugar keeps rising and rising, and um, insulin rises as well. We get something called hyperinsulinemia, which is a nice hangman word, Um, and when that sits in the system for a long time, that basically touches every system in the body and can cause chronic disease. So and also type two, uh, sorry, pre-diabetes is is something really important as well. People even they don't even you know recognize pre-diabetes as being a problem. It's not pre anything. If you pre-diabetes, your um, blood sugar control or your HbA1c has um, risen above the the normal threshold, so you are actually on your path to to the disease. So it should be pre nothing. It should just be type two diabetes.
1: Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. The key yeah. to the studies you have done seems to be carb reduction. Can you tell us a bit about that?
0: Yeah, so we, um, you know, a, a group of us at, at AUT, a group of us academics along with some clinicians from wa- around New Zealand have been working together for a very long time, about, you know, 10 or 12 years. Um, and what we're trying to do is we're actually trying to make some meaningful change um, to the primary care setting with regards delivering healthcare to people with pre-diabetes and type 2 diabetes. So we're basically um, advocating or have been advocating for um, a whole food approach, um, primarily, which is focused on carbohydrate reduction, but it's also done alongside behavior change coaching support strategy, and that's really important. Um, now, doing that in the current health system where you get a 15-minute appointment is a bit of a disaster. So we're looking at kind of changing the structure and bringing in health coaches and bringing in other people who can um, can help manage this condition and improve it for, um, you know, for, for people, for whano, for for communities um you're
1: saying that that changing how you eat and changing how you you live is quite a big deal, and maybe a fifteen minute pep talk from your medical professional isn't quite going to get you there
0: no it won't, it won't get you there and I think the current medical model it's a pharmaceutical dominated system um we've got a um, a retiring GP workforce that are you know burnt out and overburdened. And we're looking at moving towards more of a lifestyle medicine approach, a more holistic approach where um, other health professionals and health workers are are trained up in this area. And we want to provide um, support systems in the community to make sure that these these changes that are made to people's lives are actually sustained long term. Otherwise, you're not going to get anywhere.
1: Do we have the right financial incentives, the right power incentives to push non-pharmaceutical uh, treatments?
0: Well, the, the pharmaceutical industry is a, is a massive beast. But um, we believe that there is really, really good return on investment. And um, we're just in the second phase of our study and we've got some advisors um, from from. An, on an international stage, from the UK, that are with us at the moment, and they've shown that in their practice, they are reducing, um, they are saving the, their clinics and in the system enormous amount of money in terms of uh, medication reduction. So people actually coming off their medicines, both insulin and some of their their pill form medicines, um, and of course, this has got a massive financial savings. Um, impact down the track because if you don't have diabetes anymore then you won't have the consequences of diabetes including heart disease and cancers and whatever comes with that. So we, we definitely need some um, financial modelling moving forward um, but this can save the country an enormous amount of money if we do it properly.
1: Have to ask, could Ozempic save uh, save <laughs> us all? It's been getting some pretty good press out of the US, in particular. This is this new drug yeah. you take that seems to be very effective at weight loss and uh, and apparently uh, dealing with other cravings.
0: Yeah, you know, it, it's just not dealing with the actual problem. It's just putting a plaster on things. So again, it's the it's the dominant pharmaceutical industry saying, take this and and you will be fixed, and you you might be fixed. Um, but with medications uh, come side effects as well, and I mean we know over time certain medications get pulled from the market after being there for twenty years when they discover um, you know negative consequences and detrimental effects. So again, it's, it's it's the philosophy of moving towards, moving away from a pharmaceutical approach towards. Um, lifestyle medicine towards looking after your food, looking after your exercise, looking after your mental health, looking after your community. Um, so it's it's a very, very different focus, but um it 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 is one that that, that needs needs to happen because what we're currently doing is not doing. And I'm sure a will be good for some people, I'm sure.
1: Uh, Jeanette is listening in Hamilton. She says she's a successful mover from type 2 diabetes back to below the threshold using the low-carb, healthy fats regime offered by her excellent GP. Shout-out to her GP. Obviously, there are some medical professionals out there, Karen, who are using this approach already.
0: Massive, massive shout-out to to the GPs. And I think um, what's important to... To note here is that there is a movement happening Um, and at this point in time the movement is going from ground up rather than top down there is still some criticism about carbohydrate reduction therapeutic carbohydrate reduction from you know national guidelines and diabetes organizations only in new zealand funnily enough because the american diabetes association the europeans the Australians and the UK have all included therapeutic carbohydrate reduction in their nutrition guidelines. But we are being left behind and you know, I'm not entirely sure why that is the case because the evidence is pretty strong.
1: Well, it would be a concern anyway, but don't we have one of the highest rates of type 2 diabetes in the world?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, we, we do. And, and pre-diabetes is the biggest thing. And like I said to you earlier, it should be pre-nothing. If you've got pre-diabetes, you've got diabetes. Um, and I think the problem is a lot of people don't even know they've got pre-diabetes. So we've got a whole proportion of the population that are largely undiagnosed. So I think the, the problem is probably bigger than we yeah. even realize.
1: Can you give us a quick rundown on what that low-carb diet looks like and how hard it is to switch to and stick to?
0: Um, You know, it's all about perceptions. Um, I I don't believe it's hard at all. Um, If you can take it down to the simplest level, which is, you know, eat foods which were recently alive and which your grandmother can recognize. Eat foods that that don't come in packets. So we call it the low human interference factor. So we're looking at, you know, your your protein, meat, fish, chicken, eggs, milk and dairy, nuts and seeds. We're looking at plenty of non-starchy vegetables, Um, We are also talking about some starchy vegetables and a little bit of fruit and maybe some legumes, uh, depending on what level of spectrum of carbohydrate reduction you're on. You can go moderate carbohydrate reduction or extreme, depending on your case. But um, it's it's the glycemic load that you get from breads and pasta and rice and muesli bars and soft drink and lollies and and a whole lot of junk food. So basically, um, most of the supermarket, and um, you know, so so people are accessibility to these these sorts of foods that raise your blood sugar um, is is enormous. Yeah, uh, here's my simplistic it.
1: analysis as a non-registered dietitian, but um, sugar is bad for your um, for your diabetes and carbohydrates basically act like sugar in your body or your body treats them like sugar or they are technically sugars.
0: Well, yeah, and that's a great piece of misinformation that you know pe- people they don't really understand. They think that sugar just comes from lollies and soft drink, but actually all carbohydrates in the body turn to sugar. All carbohydrates put your blood sugar up. And if you don't believe me, put on a continuous glucose monitor that you can buy for 100 bucks from from from, from Abbott Laboratories and you can see in the real time um, what your blood sugar does after yeah. the foods that you eat. So people really can work it out for themselves.
1: Thank you very much um, for your messaging and your work on this, Karen. Good luck, and I've enjoyed talking to you today.
0: Thanks very much. Likewise.
1: It's uh, Dr. Karen Zinn, who is Associate Professor at AUT School of Sport and Recreation and Co-Director of the Sport Performance Research Institute New Zealand. They must call themselves Sprints, surely, or Sprints.